0: Hello again, and welcome to Anti-Monitor. With X-Men Apocalypse right around the corner, we dared ourselves to sit through Brett Ratner's abomination, X-Men The Last Stand. But first, DC Comics and DC Films are both in the middle of a rebirth, in the books and behind the scenes in Hollywood, so we'll throw in some thoughts as well as some shade. Join us as we squeeze into our leather jumpsuits one more time. Gosh, does that suck? <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. You're listening to Anti-Monitor from DoomRocket.com. I knew
1: it, I'm surrounded by assholes.
0: I'm not even going to dignify myself with a response to that. That's right, welcome back to Anti-Monitor, a place where we try to make sense of the senseless in cinema. My name's Matt Birdman Fleming, and across the street from me, as always, is Jared Jones. Editor-in-chief of DoomRocket.com, and noted Frasier enthusiast.
1: Yeah, yeah, I used to watch Frasier. That's yeah. right.
0: I hear the the blues of Colin, tossed salad, and scrambled eggs. Speaking of blues... i tell you what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's just a little preview of what we're going to be talking about, but... Jeez, uh, Louise, that was a bad movie that we just sat through.
1: Yeah, bad one.
0: Uh, since we're talking about bad movies, let's uh, talk about the state of
1: D.C., films. Yeah, it's DC films. It's been DC films for uh maybe t- two months, I don't know. DC's always in a constant state of flux. They're always changing and rebranding and it's a corporation, that's what they do.
0: Yeah, they got a new logo. New Oh, well that's DC Comics. Yeah, well, hopefully um, that translates to the screen as well.
1: Well, I'm sure that it will. I'm sure that the next DC film, which will be Wonder Woman. No, excuse me. Suicide Squad will have the all-new, refurbished, beautiful DC Comics logo. I love it. I think it's a fantastic new logo. But what we're talking about today, of course, is on top, or actually on the heels of DC Comics Rebirth, it is DC Films' house cleaning. Today is a day for truth. The world needs to know what happened and to know what he stands for. Donna Justice stunk so bad, that DC Films had to open the windows and found that the garbage was emanating from one Zack Snyder.
0: Yeah, uh, so they had to grab a couple cans of uh
1: couple cans of Lysol and yeah, some Febreze, uh, uh, maybe a priest. <laughs> um, but they, but they're working on getting the stink out. Uh, got big, a lot of matches. Yeah, a lo- the big thing that's got everyone kind of buzzing about it is DC Films has maybe successfully poached Jeff Johns the. Chief Creative Officer of DC Comics and uh, the man who's been primarily instrumental in all the good changes that you've seen in uh, DC Comics since, I don't know, for well over almost two decades now. The guy's been at it for a while. He's a young guy, too. Yeah, he is. Um, But uh, Jeff Johns has now been named as an executive producer um, for Justice League uh, alongside none other than Ben Affleck. Now, Jeff Johns is teaming up with a fellow uh, by the name, I think his name. Hold
0: on. Teaming up with a fellow cooing by the name Martian Manhunter.
1: Uh, He's teaming up with a fellow by the name of John Berg. John Berg is already an executive producer at Warner Brothers. As opposed to Peter Berg. Yeah. uh, The man behind uh, Friday Night Lights. On Battleship and God knows how many other blights on cinema. But anyway, these guys are working in tandem. Now, Berg's going to answer to Warner Brothers Top Brass and report back to them. John's reports back to uh, um, the bigwigs over at DC Comics. Um, I guess they're looking for more synergy, but all of a sudden, these little announcements that have been happening around this big announcement are starting to make a lot more sense. For example, we've got a new solo, well, a Harley Quinn film that's going to feature a menagerie female D- DC superheroes. Um that was the first big news that you're like, "Huh, DC's going to DC Warner Brothers is going to make a all female superhero movie before and Marvel?" And it's not called Charlie's Angels 2 full throttle? Yeah, no shit. It's funny because um I'm reading the news, I'm writing the news wire and I can't believe what I'm typing. It's like Margot Robbie in and doing a uh, Research for Suicide Squad, when she was reading about Harley Quinn, fell in love with the character, as so many people have, and she decided that she wanted to come up with a story concerning the character. She reached out to a writer. That writer's name remains anonymous, for now. But we know that it's a female. It is a female. I have a feeling I know who it is. Do you want to know who it is? Uh, Sure. It's Amanda Connor. Amanda Connor, who's primarily uh, concerned herself with Harley Quinn's uh, universe, uh, Pretty much since, I don't know, the new 52. Uh-huh. And um, uh, her partner, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti, I think also her husband, mm. had been co-writing the Harley Quinn book for eons. So I think Margot Robbie got to reading those Harley Quinn books, got to liking them, and reached out to Amanda Connor, who's like, fuck yeah, I will help you. Also helps that Amanda Connor is cool with Jeff Johns. I have a feeling that. That whole sh- uh, this whole seismic shift facilitated this green light. I'm excited about that project because Marvel <laughs> Marvel won't have a solo female movie until Captain Marvel, and I think 2018. Um, Wonder Woman comes out next year. Uh, this Harley Quinn thing has no established date yet, but I have a feeling they'll probably crank it out if Suicide Squad does really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case, you could probably count on seeing a new Harley Quinn film. Uh, involving all sorts of crazy female characters in t- twenty eighteen.
0: Yeah, I mean, m- the closest thing Marvel's come to an entire er, a female driven film, honestly, looks like maybe Apocalypse because of uh, Mystique taking uh, a bigger role. She as, looks like the leader in that movie. Yeah, she does. Uh, she's the leader that can walk, mm-hmm. and oh. you know, and then you've got uh, Storm and Psylocke as uh, two of the. Uh, horse horse
1: people, of a more prominent apocalypse mm-hmm. I guess that would be true, but it's still not a marvel studios movie, yeah, so it's like that's right i mean we are gonna get into the the meat of Fox and their movies in a minute, but um as it stands, the dead heat between Marvel Studios and itself looks like it uh, there's a third horse in that race now, um which is d c films out of nowhere right and who would have thought after Donna justice when everyone was like. That was the end. Wow that that this might be the first signal that the superhero genre is going bust, um, and then all of a sudden all these crazy news, like all this news happens, and it's good news, and and this news hit um I don't know when folks will be listening to this this will be coming out on Monday this happened last night today's Wednesday so last night Tuesday, um, and I'm still trying to process all the potential that could happen if Jeff Johns is in charge of the can, can, Him and this bird guy are the Kevin Feige for DC Films. Mm -hmm. They get to chart the course now. It ain't Zack Snyder. (laughs) As a matter of fact, Zack Snyder's name is conspicuously absent in all of this Hollywood Reporter's report. Um, Yeah, it would be great if he was completely absent from Earth. Yeah, that would be something. Um, As a matter of fact, the only time they mention Snyder by name is when they're talking about how poorly... Of justice, I want to read this paragraph, if I may.
0: It, Most of the time, though, uh, they don't refer to him by their name, by his name. They just re- keep referring to him as this asshole.
1: You know, it's funny. I I, I don't think I read that, but hmm. read um, the paragraph. I'm going to. Uh, and the, this from the report from the Hollywood Reporter, and I quote: "It goes, the muted reception of BVS from a box office and critical point of view is the flashpoint for the changes." I want to stop right there. Flashpoint of the changes. Whoever wrote this article is a DC dork, and I love it. The studio had high hopes for the movie, which pitted its top heroes against each other. The door was open for director Zack Snyder to be involved in shaping the look and content of the entire DC line, which is scheduled through 2020. But critics and fans ripped into the first pick, and especially Snyder, for perceived missteps, including its hero's unheroic behavior and the dark tone. BVS, which cost at least 300 million, which is a light exaggeration, uh, to make, has gr- grossed less than 870 million worldwide since its March 25 release. Warner's has said the film will be profitable, but it was hardly the home run the studio had wanted. End quote. So go fucking figure. You make a movie about superheroes without superheroes. People go come into the movie expecting to see superheroes, and what they get are two you know emo boys slamming into each other. To a really awful rock soundtrack. You remember the guitars in Batman vs Superman, when like they're fighting, and it's like all of a sudden it sounds like somebody queued up the theme song to Justice League Unlimited. It's like.
0: Jared, you know I still haven't seen that movie. Oh, that's right. I have made peace with myself about that.
1: Wait, you actually have not seen Batman vs Superman?
0: I haven't seen it. I've, but I know enough about it. Yeah, from you yeah. and from the rest of the people that shilled their money out to Warner Brothers, I know better. Hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna see it until it's available on. Uh, it's coming on a platform that doesn't cost me twenty bucks.
1: It's coming. Uh, I was. Uh, I queued up playstation the other day mm-hmm. and the playstation network already had an interactive menu for donut justice and i was like ah no it's like you can have the ultimate edition which we know what that means rated r bullshit
0: yeah you know i think i have the ultimate edition of batman versus superman what which is, is my imagination ah uh, yes but what i could be, have been i can be left to my own machinations mm-hmm. i can imagine how bad the movie is and be perfectly fine with that yeah or i can just go watch uh You know, a quest for peace, and you you got
1: a real, you got a real geek boner for the quest for peace. You you bring it up all the time. Uh, it's because it's so bad. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's so bad, but it was such an integral like part of my childhood was watching that movie and not knowing how terrible it was.
1: Yeah, it was the same for me. I was just
0: happy to see Superman. I and you know uh, obviously my favorite of the original, uh, you know, Donner era post downer at this point. Superman 3
1: because even as a child I was a huge prior fan. Huge. But he's so bad in it. I don't care. He's like you could tell he's like he just got out of remission. Oh yeah, he's definitely not smoking crack anymore. He's he's cleaned up figured he'd do a, throw himself into the Superman movie, make him feel better. I'm just a computer hacker trying to do my job. That's a good prior, but my God, what a calamity that movie... Why don't you
0: leave me alone, Jack?
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I
0: never tried to do a prior before. Yeah, well...
1: <laughs> maybe maybe well, you could do it again someday. Superman's bad. I'll say he was. I mean, he was bad.
0: Speaking of voices that I'm going to do later, uh, let's talk about the film that we sat through today. Yeah. I haven't watched... Uh, X-Men the last stand, which I hate calling it that. I just always call it X-Men 3.
1: Always called it X3. hmm Yeah,
0: same. Yeah. Uh, once they once they brought that uh, moniker in with X2, mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's gonna be X3, X4, X- X5. So uh, Triple X starring Vin <laughs> Diesel. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Triple X2, State of the Union. Starring so, Ice Cube. Iced Cube. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, neither Vin Diesel. Instead of Vin Diesel, we get Vinny Jones in this movie. Yeah. He's just wearing a Popeye suit. And uh, Kelsey Grammer dressed like a bl-
1: big blue furry beach ball.
0: A big blue furry old man politician.
1: Yeah, so we're talking obviously about X3 today, folks at home. Um, we had a lot to unpack here. Uh, there are a couple of talking points we're going to focus on uh, this week. Uh, one of them is just what this movie was and why it was. The other is how it reflects the present state of the X-Men films for um, Fox Studios. Um, so let's start with how we feel about the movie we just saw. We know the man who directed it. We are innately familiar with this person. His name is Brett Ratner. Brett Shatner. Brett Any dirty job will do Ratner, the guy who pretty much just sits and waits for people to call him when productions have gotten so bad that they're like, we got to make this movie in two weeks. What are we going to do? You call Ratner. And he's sitting on his, like, you know, pal- palatial estate floating on a, a swimming pool. He's got his phone floating next to him, like in Better Call Saul. Oh, and a
0: stereo's playing rock and roll hoochie <laughs> yeah, yeah. on repeat. His big guts then,
1: laying out in between, like this god awful, like Don he, Ho Hawaiian t shirt.
0: Yeah, but he doesn't have like a
1: modern, he doesn't have an iPhone.
0: He's not no. a block.
1: He's, he's a Blackberry a guy. Big,
0: no, he, he is a Blackberry guy. But he's also, he's got the big you know, handheld uh, the,
1: the, the the antenna that is retractable like this. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> floating there next to him. Ring, ring, ring.
0: Uh, yes, Brett. Uh, Brett, we need you. McGee just passed out. <laughs> and we can't get him to wake up. No. Will you come finish this movie for us? Oh uh, yeah, just give me a second. Let me get on my private jet. Let me get on my private jet that uh, Bad movies, but Chris Tucker is flying it for me right oh, now. He's got to do something. He's got, he's hired Jackie Chan as his driver. Mm-hmm. Keeps calling him Kato. Oh, God. Brett Ratner's such a bastard. Oh, man. Um, but I, you can, you... I was going to say, I I don't know who I like making fun of more Brett
1: Ratner or Zack Snyder. It's so easy. It's so easy to make fun of them both. And you know what? They both gave us the same bullshit ending. Oh, You don't know because Donna Justice, he hadn't seen it. But, okay. Spoilers if you haven't seen X three, sorry. Um, and spoilers if you haven't <laughs> you
0: seen PBS have. and spoil. No, listen. We apologize if you have seen either of these yeah, movies. Yeah.
1: Big apologies, but the ending uh, where Magneto had lost his mutant powers, he's trying to make the metal chess piece move, and you think you kind of see, and then it cuts to the director's name. Same shit happened in Dawn of Justice. Right. It's like, uh, Lois Lane throws some dirt on, you know, Clark's pine box. <laughs> Because <laughs> he can't afford a nice coffin. And um, the the camera pans into the hole that he's buried in. And it settles on the dirt on the pine box. And just as you can kind of see the dust move in a little. It cuts straight to Zack Snyder's bullshit name. So they pull the same stunts. And they make the movies just as cheaply and efficiently. Like blue screens all over the place. Um, you knew we were in trouble when the movie began. X3. And they're in the danger oh. room. Finally the danger
0: room Wait no no You skipped the real beginning
1: What's the real beginning?
0: Uh, The most terrifying CGI ever created
1: I don't remember what you're talking about
0: Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen As young people No I don't remember Where their faces are just kinda shaky and it's like the uncanny valley taken back a couple steps. The uncanny X
1: valley. Ugh, it's, ugh, it's so bad. It's so gross. I'm I, trying to willfully force this out of my brain. Why are you doing this to me, bird? Because it is forever haunting my brain. It's bad. It's, it's so bad. We paused it a couple of times, like just to go piss or whatever. But like in that moment, like when you look at their faces and they're walking, and if you pause it, you can see the digital overlay of their faces. And it's bad.
0: It hasn't fully rendered. No, yet. it's not. This movie it's, wasn't done. It's 2016, <laughs> and the, and the effects in this movie haven't rendered. Yeah,
1: yet. it's this movie came out like you could like stick your finger in, it and it's cold in the middle. That's this movie. And it's like, still doughy. Yeah, it's this movie's gross. You can smell the 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 gelatinous. Dick cheese of Brett Ratner All over this movie It's I'm sorry to be so like disgusting But that's what it makes me feel like to watch this movie Is to know what kind of man Brett Ratner is You see uh, paparazzi photos of him Scratching his balls while he's sitting on his Maserati And not like over the pants either His hands are in his pants This guy's a piece of shit I'm slandering him right now Because I know he'll never hear it But damn that guy He makes me so mad And then he gets to make X-Men because why?
0: Uh, because Brian Singer had to go and make Superman Returns. <sighs>
1: Which, funny enough, these two movies, and we mentioned this before, came out the same year. The same summer. Yep. So it's like, it was a bewildering time for comic book fans. We didn't know where our uh, passions would lie. Who won that summer? DC or Marvel? It would be DC now. But at the time, I think everybody lost.
0: Yeah. I remember sitting in the theater... Uh, on the classic Wednesday night uh, showcase cinemas employee screening for this movie, mm-hmm. and sitting there, dumbfounded. Yeah, and I thought to myself, "Thanks, thanks a lot, Brian Singer. You you took what was a red hot football mm-hmm. at the end of X two, and you passed it off to the slow kid." Well the, the studio
1: the, passed it to the slow kid. They the the coach decided it was like, you know what? I got my nephew in from Tennessee. He huffs markers all the time. <laughs> he he has a problem with eating paint chips. But he's sitting over there and my <laughs> my sister's gonna give me shit if I don't let him play. So here here, here Ralph <laughs> Have this ball, and the kid goes, I can play, and then of course he twists his ankle getting out of the out of his chair. It
0: smells like onions constantly. He
1: stands up and he can't walk right because he twisted his ankle. So every step he's like, ow, oh, ow, oh, ow, oh, on his way into the middle of the field to participate, and they give him the ball. And he holds it in his hands and he drops it. Not because of anything that made him drop it. He just drops it on the ground. He looks back up at the coach. coach looks down at Ralph and he's like, you going to pick it up again? He's like, is that how it's played? And that's, I'm a quarterback now. Yeah, exactly. That's Brett Ratner making a movie. Like, when you watch a movie like Red Dragon, a thankless movie that no one wanted to make, uh, because Hannibal made so much money, they were like, well, we can do... We can do uh, Red Dragon, despite the fact the movie had already been made by Ridley Scott of all... No, excuse me. Michael Mann. Michael Mann. Manhunter. Mm-hmm. That's right. Despite Michael the, Manhunter. Michael Manhunter. Uh, despite the fact that the uh, adaptation of Red Dragon exists, they decide to contemporize it with a stellar cast. Oh
0: my God. The cast was huge. like you Norton. You, Fine, fine uh, since you can't see spelling through your ears <laughs> i'm I'm saying fine, but I'm spelling Fiienneness. It just sounded like you said that Edward Norton was fine That's what <laughs> he used to like. he used to be kind of fine. he used to be fine. you are an ant in the afterbirth It is in your nature to do one thing correctly before me you rightly tremble
1: so uh but you look at a movie like Red dragon. And you could tell that the movie is successful because of the cast. Mm -hmm. And And source material. And the source material, which is rich. And uh, Red Dragon's, you know, it's lurid tripe, but it's well-written lurid tripe. Do you see? Yeah, (laughs) do you see? But X-Men The Last Stand was like the most shattering of disappointments. Because the tease at the end of X2 was so huge. So huge. never ever felt that way before at the end of a fucking movie like anticipating the sequel so bad because back then we just didn't take that for granted you know you got a sequel if you were lucky and even then the sequels were known to be shitty so when x2 came out and knocked us on the floor and then the tease at the end with dark phoenix it was just like again in
0: the the showcase cinemas midnight employee screening which was just full of nerds. Mm-hmm. You just saw the simultaneous like eruption of every single nerd brain when that when that was teased. It was just like, Whoa. "Did you fucking
1: see that?" And it was only not even 3 seconds long. You just saw, you know you saw something. You know you saw something. And you
0: know what it is.
1: Oh my god. So like after you get out of X2, my brain was going a million places. Most of them right into outer space with the Shi'ar Empire and the Dark Phoenix Saga and all this crazy bullshit. But, um, of course, X3 is none of these things. So, let's just pretend that the script is written before Brett Ratner became involved. I don't really know the chronology, but I can only assume that that had to have been the case because Brett Ratner doesn't strike me as a creatively intrusive sort of fellow. He you
0: know? he doesn't strike me as someone who's too into either writing or reading.
1: Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, he's got this script and he's like, okay, let's just do it. And you could tell the lethargy. Like each scene, each sequence just groans into the next. It's almost as if he can't be bothered to like film establishing shots. Um, but he he does this recurring thing, and you pointed it out today. It's like why does he insist on doing the first person view, like where he has actors stare into the screen at the audience and give their lines? It's like, and then he, and then it cuts to the regular over the shoulder shot for the. Uh... Yeah, The opposing
0: person in the scene. And it's just like, what? what? I don't, he, I don't, why are you
1: doing this? I'll tell you why. Because this guy saw the Silence of the Lambs once and watched Jonathan Demme do it. And he's like, if Demme can do it, I can do it. Problem was, is that Demme was a master of his craft. I don't know about it anymore, but back in those days when Silence of the Lambs came out, you thought you were looking at some next level operatic shit. And you were. Brett Ratner looked at it and said, I could do that too.
0: He, I mean I made Red Dragon I could probably do I could probably make ways. an X-Men movie into a Silence of the Lambs type movie
1: And he and, and he kind of in a way did because he brought in that one guy who played the one dude in Silence of the Lambs who like is like the uh the 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 warden or whatever the 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 asylum that Lecter stays in mm-hmm. and he recast the same actor for Red Dragon despite the fact it was a prequel and he was markedly older um so he stuck him in the movie as a matter of fact, he's sucking a lot of people in the, from the 80s in this movie. He, he had Bill Duke. Yeah, Bill Duke. It's the second time we've talked about Bill Duke within the course of a month.
0: At least. Yeah. I, I, I actually, and I got to write about Bill Duke a, a couple weeks ago, too. You did. Because Commando. of
1: Commando.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Duke, who I said during the movie, I said, Someone get 1-800-COLLECT to sponsor this film because Bill Duke is phoning it in and he's not paying for that call.
1: You got Michael Murphy, who played the mayor of Gotham City in Batman Returns. He plays... Oh, that's uh, where I remember him from. Yeah, he he plays Warren Worthington Jr. Uh, War- <laughs> that's a tough name to say. <laughs> Warren Kenneth Worthington Jr., to I be mean exact. Yeah, um, uh, obviously the angels. Angel dad. Father, angel dad. Um. Then you got R. Lee Ermey. In a, in a vocal cameo. A vocal as, cameo.
0: As Drill Sergeant telling... Guys to pack plastic get your, needle darts. Get your get your X Men guns and we're gonna go cure some mutants.
1: It's peculiar because you know he wasn't in the room. That means Brett Ratner like drove over to R. Lee Ermy's house in Hollywood and like said, Hey, talk into my phone. <laughs> Just read the line into my phone, it's gonna be <laughs> fucking awesome.
0: Just read it. Hey, you know what'd be funny is if we got the guy from Full Metal Jacket to do this voice part. That'd be funny, huh?
1: You know what? I wonder how Brett Ratner eats peanut butter.
0: Is with he his like, fingers.
1: Well no. I don't see him with fingers. He doesn't strike me as like a full <laughs> louse. But like I think like he uses the knife and like before he like, like he'll scoop out the peanut butter and like he'll spread it on the bread, but before he spreads it on the bread he takes a bite out of the peanut butter and then spreads it, and then puts the knife back into the jar? He strikes me as that kind of guy.
0: He definitely licks whatever implement he uses before sticking it in there.
1: Uh, We're getting way off track here. Um, But the... uh, The cast. So, uh, there were a couple of things that I noticed about X3 and the cast that remained, because they kill off practically everybody in this movie, Um, is how unwilling people are to just hear that they care. Like, Halle Berry had already, like, got the Maybelline money, the Revlon money. She's good. Yeah. She could just show up with some fancy hair, wig, and just, like, look up into the sky and pretend.
0: I'm pretty sure that was her hair and that they just spray-painted it white. Probably. Like, Halloween hairspray. Talk about
1: hair. What was up with Hugh Jackman's hair? They went full-on, like, Jim Lee Wolverine hair. Like, they didn't even care. It's just like, no, it's up there. And, like, there's that scene where he kneels before Professor X's grave. Spoiler, sorry. And um, he kneels down. And you can see the top of that action. Just like the slick back part. You can mm-hmm. see like the like the pomade in there. It's like Wolverine. Does Wolverine style his hair now? Because prior to this, in the movies, it just looked like he woke up that way. In this movie, his hair is coiffed.
0: Well, in the first two movies, he was waking up every day with, you know... Uh, The closest thing an immortal can have to a hangover And like, I'm going to go deal with these dumb kids again In this movie, he's like Well, I guess I've got to go be a substitute teacher Because Scott Summers is off being an emo bastard Yeah, I'm going to go teach these kids how to throw me at stuff
1: Well, that's a cool thing My whole thing when I was younger Is that there were things you just wanted to see from the comics and the movies And one of those things was the fastball surprise, which was the thing where the uh, character Colossus would grab Wolverine and just toss him at shit. And it could be a pretty effective tool. And in this circumstance, we got to see them do it against what became obvious was a sentinel. You only get to see the head of the sentinel. And that's all you get to see. You don't see the sentinels again until Days of Future Past. They never looked good. They never looked right. But that was all you got. Mm -hmm. You were happy to have it. There were morsels, and you were grateful. We were all a legion of Oliver Twists back then. All We we were just pleased to have the porridge until we found we could have some more. Mm-hmm. And then found out that someone had been sticking their fingers in our porridge. Now, the X-Men themselves really, really bugged me because uh, Rogue and Halle Berry Storm are like the two sides of the same coin when it comes to accents. <laughs> like... Um, uh, Anna Paquin kind of doubled down on her southern accent, it, probably in preparation for True Blood, who knows, who can say. But Halle Berry just jettisoned hers. Like, she's just like, eh, I'm not ah, going to do it it's anymore. Not gonna no, d- it's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. In the first one, she's got this thick Kenyan accent, and you're like, it's terrible, but it's canon. You know, Romero, it's from Africa, that's what she sounds like. In X2, she, she, it's there, but it's not. It comes goes in and X2. Out. 3, it's gone. It, it just, it doesn't matter. She just showed up and said, yeah, let's get this over with. Mm-hmm. And a when meanwhile, she's like, I'm only in this movie for two scenes, so I'm going to talk like this. Bye, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby, I got to go get
0: fixed so that we can get to screwing. Yeah, pretty
1: much. That's, that's it. That's the reason why Rogue decides to betray the X-Men. Well, not necessarily betray them, but like. To ditch them. To ditch them.
0: She goes from, in the first movie, being an integral part of the team. Mm-hmm to, in this movie, being an afterthought.
1: She is, she's such an afterthought. It doesn't matter. Like they create this like a love triangle. Well, the inciting incident for the film, obviously, is this, uh, this perceived cure for mutancy. Like it uh, tamps down the mutant gene in the, in, in the body and your, your powers go away. A major pharmaceutical company has developed
0: a way to suppress the mutant X gene permanently. They're calling it a cure.
1: There's nothing to cure. Nothing's wrong with any of us for that matter. You of all people know how fast the weather can change. Well, Rogue has been having this increased issue with her inability to touch people, which is only compounded by her flaky-ass boyfriend, Bobby Drake, who all of a sudden wants to start holding hands with Ellen Page. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we know she don't go that way. No, she don't. But um, he he's not even... Chill about it, like oh, it's that chill because he's Ice Man. <laughs> but he they're at the Professor x funeral, and instead of holding his girlfriend's hand, and she's wearing gloves, by the way, he just reaches right. He's sitting in between Rogue and Kitty pride He he holds Kitty's hand instead. It's like Bobby, you piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Like I, they're okay, and that's one of the fundamental problems with this movie is that you don't know why people are thinking the way they think or why they do what they think they should do. It's just. Uh, an impetus to get the per- one person to where they need to be at that point in the movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, so much of this movie is, uh, is, it's like uh, dedicated to, do I have a boyfriend or girlfriend, mm-hmm. and how is that going to affect me? Scott Summers, ostensibly, uh, has a an emotional breakdown, leaves the X Men, and dies. Yeah. Because he's so sad about his ex girlfriend. That's it. Uh, these two. With Iceman and Kitty Pride, You know uh, Kitty's sitting there like Oh you don't know You have a girlfriend And I don't And I'm just sad Because I miss home And mm-hmm. Professor X was like my friend And it's like Jeez come on now Like Have some motivation Other than
1: Like this the base superficiality yeah
0: because you're a part of a
1: big team of superheroes with awesome powers what's more is that you have a cause to fight for you have something to fight for that scott summers would just be like well my girlfriend said i'm going to be depressed and uh, morbidly suicidal i'm just going to leave the team and go do my thing it's like that's antithetical to the core concepts of scott summers he believed so wholeheartedly in Xavier's dream that he'd be willing to do whatever it takes to make it happen. Like the crazy shit that he did during the Bendis run of X-Men is bananas. Like he teams up with Magneto and like the, the White Queen and all these like, you know, brotherhood of mutants and like makes his own school because he doesn't believe that the other team that's actually in Xavier's school serves a purpose anymore. Like that's how far he'll go. In the movie, he's just like, oh, I'm so sad. You don't know how sad I am. I'm gonna ride my motorcycle and just leave.
0: That's why you don't hire James Marsden unless you plan on having him cuckolded.
1: Yeah, James Marsden's in both these movies: Superman returns and X3.
0: How many times in cinema do we have to see James Marsden cuckolded? Because you
1: know he's got, a, you got somebody gorgeous waiting for him at home. You just know he does, because he's James Marsden. He's, he's a beautiful man, and he's sweet. I've never seen him, like, be a jerk in interviews or anything I of all the James Marsden interviews I'm watching. And he's...
0: Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> James Marsden is really good at acting like James Marsden. Yeah. And I guess part of that is just maybe he's super into being cuckolded.
1: I'm into it. <laughs> I'm into the thought. Um, but uh, as bad as the X-Men are in this movie, what's worse is... What was absolutely worse is Magneto's little clan, his little brotherhood of seen kids. The brotherhood from another motherhood. Oh my god, they're so bad. They're so bad. It's like Matrix dropouts, foisted... I mean, the X-Men movies were always bad enough because they came out right after the Matrix, so they couldn't wear their awesome costumes. They had to wear black leather, and we're only just now fixing it with X-Men Apocalypse, which we'll talk about in a minute. But the X-Men... Uh, the Magneto team, the brotherhood... Is just like a whole bunch of like, uh, tab dropping, step, walking. Home <laughs> having they've all, seen kids. They all have they all have face tattoos. They, they all yeah. have their labrae pierced. Oh my god, Callisto, she's the worst. Is uh, she's the one that can sniff out mutants on top of moving being from fast. here to there? Yeah, she, no, she she teleports. That's what she does. That's
0: being fast.
1: Sure, but she's like she walks up to Magneto and she goes, hey. Who's your mark, and it's like, hey, who invited you into this fucking movie? Here's
0: my mark. Look at me. I was in, <laughs> in the, Holocaust. the Holocaust. No one's ever gonna put a needle in me again.
1: Why does Magneto sound like he's like this Antiluvian, like southern plantation
0: horror? he Magneto in this movie? <laughs> Sir Ian McKellen decided to bring as much. Gravitas as he could muster. Oh my God! While he looks probably nursing half a buzz.
1: <laughs> he had to have been stoned for most of this movie because there's moments where, like, he's cl- there's the shots right on his face and he's interacting with one of these fucking kids, and he just looks at him in a way. It's just like, I.
0: The only question is, will you join my brotherhood and fight, or wait for the inevitable genocide? Why am I? Innocent? I'm 85 years old, <gasps> and I'm playing. I'm playing a character who can play with metal. We
1: Brett Ratner, because they all hide out in the woods with all these tents yeah. and stuff, and like they like they're hiding in the trees. Brett Ratner stuck Sir Ian McKellen in <laughs> Gathering of the Chuggalos. That's what happened. Yep, that was the movie. That was X Three. And yeah. They they're having a camping rave. Which yeah, yeah. which is what the gathering <laughs> yeah, is. That's what a it was. camping
0: rave, but with more clown rap. So that
1: stupid speech that he gives, We Are the
0: cure and
1: everyone's just all like yeah. And then he says,
0: This song's called Friday, I'm in love. <laughs> Every every time in this movie someone's talking about The, the cure. cure, I'm like, oh, we're, we're, come on, Brett Ratner. This, there's so much cliche in this movie already. We couldn't get a Robert Smith cameo as like a mutant. That- he
1: he would have fit in just fine with the kids <laughs> down there. Because it reminds me of that scene in Matrix Reloaded when like Morpheus is giving a speech to Zion. And then he's like, all right! Now let's get pissed and everyone starts throbbing to dubstep and like starts like rubbing their nipples on each other. Yeah, they're and having
0: they're having a, a rave at the middle of
1: the world. That's just one of the few examples of Brett Ratner showing restraint because you know he could have shown that if he wanted to. He cut he cut the scene right at the moment where you know that could have gone down. You know, a bunch of you know mutant on mutant loving.
0: We should we should have probably checked. Uh deleted scenes for that see if that (laughs) if that ended up on the cutting room floor
1: what a bad movie so let's uh move on to the current state of the uh fox uh uh x-men movies because x3 is actually far more important than i thought it was and when it comes to fixing things in this franchise because as we know uh Um, Days of Future Past went out of its way to fix all the problems with X3, right? Uh, Almost all the problems. They
0: still didn't undo the Juggernaut.
1: Don't you know who I am? I'm the Juggernaut, bitch! They also didn't address how Bill Duke became Peter Dinklage back in time. They both play Bolivar Trask. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) So Peter Dinklage grows into Bill Duke. I want,
0: real quick, I want any human to try to parse the sentence. They didn't explain how Bill Duke became Peter Dinklage in the past, Mm. because that's the kind of shit that they cooked up for this. They said so bad, and you know what? I love I love the Dinks. You do as they call them, the Dinkles. you didn't necessarily have to have him as uh, Bolivar trash. It was stunt casting. You could have. You could have gotten Bill Duke. Bill Duke's not doing anything.
1: Yeah, but this movie takes place like what, thirty years, forty years before this movie.
0: Yeah, but I mean, put Bill Duke on a treadmill. He's still gonna. Lo- he'll look like he did in Predator. That's true. He
1: looked like he didn't age of fucking day.
0: Yeah, just a little punchier. Yeah, but. Uh, but so yeah, the Days of the Future Past retconned a bunch of problems that this movie brought up.
1: Yeah. But um, I think what's funny is that it caused, what I'm perceiving anyway, is a temporal flux where characters that were in the future or the present got shoved back in the past because X3 has Psylocke in it. She's in the movie, the girl uh, girl with the purple hair, uh, that's Psylocke. Yes. And yet Olivia Munn is playing Psylocke in X-Men Apocalypse, which takes place a full 20 years or 30 years before... The Last Stand, X Men Apocalypse takes place in the eighties, right? Right. So that's how they're doing it. Is mm-hmm. each
0: uh, first class was the sixties, seventies uh-huh. for uh, Days of Future Days of Future Past, and then eighties for Apocalypse. And so the next then,
1: movie purportedly takes place in the nineties, but also in outer space, so and it's going to be New Mutants, right? Uh, well, no, the New Mutants is happening anyway. Uh, Fox is shoving out as many X-Men movies as they can possibly get out of this. Fortunately, the X-Men saga does have all these books that they can adapt, Mm -hmm. so they're in a good spot. But New Mutants is going to happen. I hope they have that Nicosonic Teenage Warhead from Deadpool. She was awesome. She ruled. She totally ruled.
0: And any uh, any X-Movie that comes out in the future Mm -hmm. has to implement the Deadpool uh, Colossus. Yes. Because... Seeing the Colossus
1: in this movie oh, just made me mad. Such a non-entity. You know, it's funny because he was cool as like a little gimme in X2. Yes. When like they're, he's helping the kids and all of a sudden these soldiers start firing and he turns like steel. And he's like, and then <laughs> he turns to Wolverine. He's not an actor. You could tell Brian Singer hired this guy because he's pretty. Uh-huh. And he turns to uh, Hugh Jackman and he goes, I can help you. <laughs> Hugh Jackman's like, uh... You help them. <laughs> it keeps going. but um, he, Daniel- doesn't even,
0: he doesn't even go metal in
1: this movie. He does a couple times. Oh, I missed it then. He did it in uh, The Danger Room, um, and then he did it again at, at The Last Stand. Um, the actor's name is Daniel Cudmore. He was hired because he can lift TVs down hallways. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason why you could see this guy in the movie. Daniel, don't act no more. Yeah, I don't see him in anything anymore. Maybe that's for the
0: best, though. I mean, I would rather have a completely CGI... Colossus than this pretty boy
1: I hear that Colossus is expensive to make for Deadpool though like three actors had to contribute to the performance like one guy for the you know Bonnie mm-hmm. the other guy for facial you know whatever and then one guy for the voice so it's like a lot went into that that uh, Colossus but I'm glad that they put the effort in because it looked like they put the effort in Yeah, and, and they made money they
0: made money Deadpool made, has so far made more money than uh... any other X-Men movie and any
1: other uh, superhero movie this year? No, Civil War. Oh, is Civil, Civil War, passed War already uh, sunk Deadpool. Well, oh. not by much, but Civil War has only been in theaters for barely two weeks in the states, so we got we got time. That's right. I need to see that again. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, but the the whole of the uh, X Men franchise went into hot scramble mode because after X Three. The one choice was they can continue on with the saga because they left it open with two stinger endings. One with Magneto that we discussed earlier where he was trying to regain his power. And the other where Charles Xavier has manifested himself in Moira McTaggart's like, you know, unknown soldier in her hospital. Like, and he says, hello, Moira. Yeah, the vegetable. Yeah. And all of a sudden you can have them come back. We know they came back because the singer ending to The Wolverine features <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Patrick uh, <laughs> <That drink's dead>. Stewart, <laughs> Um Having Patrick Stewart totally, as Patrick Stewart, in a wheelchair, not the ability to walk uh, whoever that guy was in the bed. <laughs> and then Magneto, who can totally just move things again, I guess, um, saying, we need your help to do this one thing. Well, they... Something happened between X3 and Days of Future Past. Yeah. But. Ellen Page became an actor. She became an actor of some renown. And so it was worth their while to put her in the movie, despite the fact that if you're going to put Kitty Pride in a movie called Days of Future Past, you send Kitty Pride back in time. You don't send Wolverine back in time. Because you want to know one of the powers Kitty Pride doesn't have? Sending people back in time! It's so fucking stupid. Like, This is like the first date I ever had with my girlfriend MJ. And we're sitting together in the theater with you and a couple other people. And I can just feel her seething already. This is the seethe I've come to understand. Because I I feel it too.
0: You get it every day. I get it.
1: Yeah, every day when I wake up. She's like, oh my god, you again. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... Like... In that moment where we understand that it is... I mean, we know because the trailers because Wolverine got sent back. But to see that it was Kitty Pryde just sticking her hands on either side of Hugh Jackman's Yeah, head, like she's doing right key on him. Yeah, and... Uh, oh, I'm in the past now. And I'm naked, Brett Bryan Singer. You know, nothing about that movie makes too much sense, but you forgive it because it's trying to correct the sins of X-Men 3. and And that's a sin that needs to be totally wiped out but as with any sin the damage is already done Uh you can repent all you want you could be on your knees and give as many hail marys and our fathers as you want in terms of my experience if you sin that sin is done and people will remember you for it how can you wash x3 away you can't undo this movie days of future past tries so hard and they do it even when they willingly (laughs) acknowledge that that's the sole function of this movie because at the very end who do you see walking down the hallway good morning logan kelsey grammar as the big furry blue beach ball there he is can we talk can we talk real quick yeah about let's have a talk kelsey grammar was yeah.
0: someone's first choice mm-hmm. to play hank mccoy i don't think it's a bad one we few we happy few we band of brothers for he who sheds his blood with me this day shall be my brother.
1: Kelsey Grammer's a self appointed intellectual. You know, he's got the voice at the very least. He was Sideshow Bob. I, I love the sound of his voice. I, And as you said earlier, I did like Frazier. And I love Cheers. Yeah. So that have him. I can't take any of it seriously. Well, you're not supposed to. It's a ding dang X Men movie. None of these movies are any good. It's just so silly. I. I Seeing a
0: fur-clad Kelsey Grammer flip around. I mean, obviously, it's a stunt person doing all the flim-flapping. Mm-hmm. But it's just the whole time. I just keep... Maybe oh, i the blues are calling. salad and scrambled <laughs> eggs. I look like a dog. And they calling
1: again. Ow! Yeah. It's a weird, peculiar thing at first, but you get used to it as the movie progresses. It's only when he wears his open vest and starts... Bout, literally bouncing around this open arena and taking people down, like like smacking them like a gorilla in the beginning of <laughs> 2001 or or quest for fire or something like that.
0: No, it was... Uh, you're mixing it up. It was like Rise of the Planet of the Apes because it was oh, in San Francisco and took place on the Golden Gate Bridge.
1: Yeah, you're right. Despite the fact that it visibly was in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And they got established shots. They're just, from, looking,
0: they're just <laughs> looking down a list of... Uh, of, like, set pieces that they have in Vancouver. They're like, oh, shit, we have an Alcatraz.
1: Fuck it, let's do it there. The funny thing about how this movie's shot is that you can tell that when they're trying to be in Westchester, New York, they're not. You can tell that when they're in San Francisco, they're not. When you look at Alcatraz, you can tell that somebody at Fox paid a a helicopter pilot to ferry a cameraman over it once, just to get the establishing shot, and then they cgi the yeah. Worthington Labs. Why did they build the Worthington Labs on Alcatraz? It's one little building, and then there's this giant abandoned prison right behind it. And they don't do anything with it! Except for them to fight in the common ground area, where, you know, old, you know, convicts used to play basketball. It, much like this movie, uh, makes no sense. Uh... No, you want to know why they did it? So they could get that one line out of Ian McKellen. You know the line. When he's lifting up the gigantic, you know, sec- two sections of the Golden Gate Bridge and he smacks it down.
0: I think I have a recording of Sir Ian McKellen saying it right now. How'd it go? Uh, Charles always wanted to build bridges. Yeah. You should have killed me when you had the chance, Charles! <laughs> you
1: know? He's, uh... Yeah, that's why the movie got made. Join my brotherhood and you can too go to San Francisco. The, the, why, okay, so most uh, big budget movies for some reason or another decide to involve themselves with uh, landmarks, Mm -hmm. geographical landmarks, so the, you know- Joe and Martha America can go to the movies and go, Oh, honey, look, we've seen that in books and or in life. Oh, look, the Ghostbusters are fighting inside Statue of Liberty. The stakes must be real because, oh, they're fighting at the Golden Gate Bridge. We've driven past that. That's the reason why they used to do it. And it's so trite and boring, and I hated it. And in X-Men... As a matter of fact, I think this is the... No, the... Excuse me, the first X-Men movie did it, uh, of all places, the Statue of that's Liberty. Right. So I can't give the X-3 too much of a hard time, I guess. But it's still patently lame to watch the Golden Gate Bridge just get ripped up, carried over, and dropped on top of Alcatraz because it means nothing for that to happen. Because the location how, means nothing.
0: Yeah, because that's how they had to get there. He couldn't just get a boat. He. Boats are made of metal.
1: They, they, get, get they got, that's how they got boat. to the Statue of Liberty. Covertly, with all these dignitaries and diplomats just sitting there giving a speech and fireworks going off everywhere. They took a little dinghy and, <laughs> and scuttled all the way little over. little tugboat. little tugboat over to, the, uh, to Liberty Island and then walked all the way up there, presumably.
0: Maybe uh, Magneto's brain has been microwaved so many times from wearing that metal helmet yeah. and being around all these... Uh, superpowers that he's just like, how did I do this before? That's right, I tore up a bridge. You
1: know what's crazy is that Ian McKellen made the Hobbit trilogy well after X3. Is that not remarkable? How old is Ian McKellen? I don't know. He's got to be 105 by now. Excuse me, you said 83 before. How'd you go from 83 to 105? I mean, he looked like he was 83 in... X-Men 3. He aged so well, my friend. And he is a young man yet. Yeah. He's He's 76. 76? 76. He's still young. He's still got at least 10 more years of awesomeness. Oh, let's hope. Knock on wood. Oh, God. Knock on metal. One of my favorite aspects of the X-Men movies, even though the first one isn't that good, and even though the second one is considered the greatest still, it's still not that good. You go back and watch it. We'll revisit it someday. Who knows? But um it was that Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen were in these movies because they were centered actors, seasoned, Shakespearean actors. They could bring the gravity when they wanted to. It mattered when they spoke to each other. Mm-hmm. Brian Singer was like he was still in like, you know, you know, usual suspects at pupil mode where he was still a filmmaker of some sort. And so like that opening uh one of the opening sequences of the first X-Men movie is when um, Xavier and Eric Lencher are both attending the same uh, Senate hearing where uh, Jean Gray's arguing with one of these senators about mutant registration. And uh, er- Eric leaves enough off early and Xavier comes after him and he goes, Eric! And they have this whole conversation between each other and it's shot and framed so beautifully. And, he's, <laughs> and you can hear them whisper. He's like, you crawling around in there, Charles? Whatever you're looking for. And he's like, he's like I, I'm looking for hope. And he's like, I will bring you hope. You know? And it's like these conflicting ideals are established so perfectly and beautifully and quietly. No bombast, no fanfare, no operatic choir. Did you hear the score of this movie? All of it is just a choir going. Ah, ah, you know, and it's like. Everything's flying through the air, and there's, like, these bullet time screenshots. This is definitely a post-Matrix movie. The first X-Men movie was one, too, but it was done with a sense of dignity. It had its own voice. It definitely had its own voice. Uh, this, though, yeah, it's,
0: like, uh, generic mutants bounding around everywhere, they like were, rubber balls.
1: He said like, 50 of them at once, just boing, boink.
0: What's your superpower? Jump. Jump. That's my X-Men name, Jump. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? Uh I can't think of a better way to wrap things up. Uh if you were an X-Man, Ooh. what would your X name be and what would your powers be? Oh, that's a good question. That's a tough
1: question. Oh, I did I let me think about this. You know, I'm gonna ask you too. I don't think you're coming out of this. Sir. Oh, man, if I were an ex... If I were a mutant... A mutant. What would my mutant ability be? Oh, slash, would you align yourself
0: with uh, Charles Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters or Magneto's Brotherhood of uh, Evil Mutants, a.k.a. Brotherhood from Another Motherhood?
1: Hmm, that's a good question, because one of the obvious uh, things to go to is to pick an established mutant power... Um, the uh the desire to get like claws or the mutant healing factor or anything like that i would have to say i'd have to go outside the mode my mutant power would have to be uh dimming the lights whenever i walked into a room every time i walk into a room i don't like the lighting i either it's too bright or uh it's too bright uh, so
0: would your would your mutant name be the clapper because that's basically what you're saying. You wish every room had a clapper in
1: it. Um. Well, to answer your question, my name would be Dark, with an Oof. H in it. Oh, <laughs> like the, and a Q at the end.
0: <laughs> D-H-A-R-Q. And fuck
1: the, uh, and the, every time the you School to... for the Gifted, and fuck the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, I would be in the Hellfire Club. Okay. Yeah, you can ha- you can eat that. That's my power, that's my name, that's my affiliation. Now, what's yours? Go. Uh,
0: My superpower would be uh, very strong, very, <laughs> very, very good at jumps and running, uh, and my, uh, and my, my... So you'd be my, a gymnast? I, no, I would be, like, a skilled acrobat with uh, advanced strength and uh, agility. So you'd be Spider-Man. But I wouldn't... I wouldn't be affiliated with a spider. Wow. I'd be just be very good at most things. Uh and uh my what's your name? Rad Dude. Rad Dude. Yeah. What's your affiliation? Uh X Men all the way. Oh, okay. You're an X
1: man I'm an hang- X man I'm, I'm hanging out with I'm hanging out with big furry beast. Yeah, you can you can hang out with Jubilee on the bench. <laughs> hey, do we need the guy that can jump or the, the one that makes firecrackers out of her fingertips? Nah. Nah, we need real people. Hey, but I'm really good at everything. Yeah, sure you are. I can go fast. I can get, I can jump. <laughs> Jean Grey is like silently holding you to the bench. So even if you try to get up, you couldn't. You don't know it's her, but you know it's her. Or, or like, what if, uh, what was Havoc's power?
0: Uh, was, uh energy blasts right. from his chest. So what if I could do that, but it was from my butt? So it's like wow, super farts. Wow.
1: So like a, and your name, name would be Bramp? obviously you'd be an evil mutant because that's an evil power if I were
0: an evil mutant my
1: name would be Gas (laughs) Gas Mask alright that's enough of this nonsense well of course thank you as always for listening to Anti-Monitor Podcast and thank you as always for following DoomRocket.com and all our many misadventures Um, you can follow us on the social media at Twitter you will find Birdie at at BirdMoney I am at Jared Jones underscore. And of course, don't forget to follow us at Doom Rocket at Doom Rocket underscore. Uh, And for the rest of the day, that guy over there will be Birdman. I am always Jared Jones. Uh, A.K.A. Gas Mask and Dark. Oh, that's right. And from all of us from DoomRocket.com.
0: We are the cure. This is disintegration. My starts me Just let God come